Welcome to East Nashville Now, episode number 14. At the time of this recording, the world seems to have gone mad, and so I've decided to cut myself off completely from any world or national news. Instead, I will talk with people in the neighborhood and content myself with what news they bring me. Mmm, 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 but it's good to be home. Welcome to East Nashville Now, the podcast about the people and the places that make East Nashville great. I'm your host, John Barrett, here with my trusty dog, Maxwell, by my side. Say hello, Maxwell. We're two East Nashvillians who love talking with people and sharing what we learn with you, the listener. Longtime listeners, thank you so much for following us here. And new listeners, welcome to the show. We hope you enjoy it. On today's show, I am privileged to be speaking with Whit Gilbert. Whit is an East Nashville guy who owns and operates Surface Outreach and Designs, a local company that builds custom furniture, wood and metal applications, and functional art for homes, restaurants, and offices. But more importantly, Surface Outreach and Designs is an outreach program for addicts and alcoholics in early recovery. Whit Gilbert works side by side with these guys through their recovery to help them learn valuable woodworking skills and other skills of the trade. This great little company also assists and provides scholarships for people that need treatment but have no means to receive it. Whit Gilbert is creating jobs and teaching trades as well as living the recovery life right alongside people who are newly sober. In this episode, we also get to learn about Fort Houston, a unique maker's space here in Nashville that is redefining how people live and work. Today on the show, I am thrilled to have with me here in the Treehouse Studio, Mr. Whit Gilbert. Whit is the director of a local business called Surface Outreach and Designs, and he is here today to tell us more about the programs offered by Surface Outreach. Listeners, prepare to be blown away. Whit, <laughs> welcome to East Nashville Now. Thanks, John. Glad to be here. That's a a pretty uh, impressive intro. <laughs> I don't know if I can follow that up. <laughs> yeah, you can, man. So if you would, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background and what brought you to East Nashville. I grew up in this area, and I kind of call myself a, a second-generation East Nashvillian. Um, I actually grew up in the Hendersonville area, but uh, I went to Good Pasture High School in Madison, and, um, and all of my Little League sports and everything that I played ball was always at Jess Neely or Shelby Park and cool. so uh man I've lived uh, I've spent half of my life it seems like uh, in and around the park and um let's see five years ago my wife Jamie and I we uh, wanted to live in East Nashville so we looked at I'm not kidding you 62 houses wow we went inside my wife went inside 58 of them John and uh 
we fell in love with one on East Side Avenue, and we've lived there ever since, and it's great. We love the neighborhood, and, and oddly enough, it's about it's at the top of uh, Shelby Park, just above the baseball fields. Mm-hmm. And uh, I played baseball in college, and so I went to Belmont, and all of our home games and our practice field was at Shelby Park. At the old-timers at field? At the old-timers field, nice. yeah. And, and we split half the games we played at Greer Stadium and, and the other half at Shelby Park, and now uh, Belmont has a great new facility at Rose Hill okay, um, over um, off Edge Hill, and uh, it's a beautiful uh, facility now. But when I played, I spent uh, literally hours and hours and hours and hours and hours every single day at the old timers park and uh, my house now is about two baseball throws from being uh, on the baseball field well man that's cool you never could have imagined back then that you'd no. have a house right but there. hey i drove by <laughs> my house uh, you know thousands of times coming and going from the park and so it's kind of neat to to know that I, I now live there and my kids can run around and play there and you know my dad played ball at that park and so you know east nashville's been uh in our blood, so to speak, for years and years. Uh, I love it and don't want to live anywhere else. Nice. I feel the same way, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so, great. So tell us about your business, Surface Outreach. This is pretty amazing what you guys are doing. Yeah. So uh, just a little more background on me. You know, I'm a sober person in, in recovery, and, and I've been in recovery about five years now. And how it started, um, I've always been a woodworker, a carpenter my whole life. When I was a little kid, we, you know, I would always build things. And mm-hmm. the first furniture that I built and sold um, was when I was about 20. I started building. Before that, it was just a hobby. And um, so it's always been a hobby. And um, how Surface Outreach and Designs came about, about uh, two years ago, I was uh, working um, over on 23rd Avenue is a place called the Friendship House, and it's like a little recovery community, and they have 12-step meetings and different things, and mm-hmm. I'm working there. And I started working with a bunch of guys that came in uh, that were homeless and, and just, you know, really just doing life with them, you know. And um, there was this one guy in particular, his name was Billy, and uh, Billy had come down from out of state, and, uh, you know, he was homeless, and he was about 10 days sober. He was a meth addict, and... Uh, um, we started just to, to hang out, man, and, and getting to know him and, and uh, you know, bringing him into my house and he's meeting my family. And I think for guys like that to, to see uh, genuine love from somebody that, that doesn't want anything in return, it's, mm-hmm. it's very refreshing for them. And so uh, anyway, we got uh, Billy a job uh, as a painter and, you know, it was a great job. It was like $20 an hour. And for someone that's homeless, that's like hitting the lottery. You know, yep. he never made that much money in his life. And. And uh, but he had to have two forms of ID and uh, pass a background check. And he spent four days going on a bus and going to the Social Security office and just different places to get this second ID because he had an ID card, but he didn't have his birth certificate. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, about five days go by and I'm driving down Charlotte and I on the corner of Charlotte and 23rd, man, there's Billy standing on the corner, you know, asking for money and selling, you know, one of the local newspapers that, that some of the um, folks sell that are in that position. Mm-hmm. And uh um, you know, I pulled over and I was like, Billy, man, what happened? I thought we had you a great job lined up. You know, what are you doing? And he told me the story about how difficult it was for him to get on his feet and get the IDs and, you know, spit the, the red tape involved in that without having a car or, or a computer or a fax machine. Mm-hmm. He really had a very difficult time, um, cutting through all of that to get an ID. 
And he finally just said, look, man, it's easier for me to sit on the street corner and, and make uh, 40, 50 bucks a day and, and be homeless. And hmm. he, he was still sober. He wasn't drinking or using or anything like that. And so what I thought, how it hit me is that if I could find a way to provide a job for just one person where, you know, they didn't have to worry about the red tape. I don't care if you got felonies, you know, what your situation is, your mm -hmm. background check. We're not going to do any of that. Just come to work for me, do life with me, and let me see if I can't help you and be of service. Also, about that time, I'd gone back to work for a guy named uh, Blake Bergstrom, and Blake uh, has Legacy Building, and it's uh, out in Pegram. And, and Blake was the pastor at um, the Nashville campus pastor at Cross Point Church, where my wife and I go. And man, Blake, he invested so much time in me and uh, really spent a lot of time helping. I worked for him for a while. And, you know, he just kind of built some confidence in me for what I do with woodworking. And so during this whole uh, three or four month season, I decided to go out on my own building furniture hmm. and uh, we do custom furniture and other wood metal applications. Pretty much anything that people want out of wood or metal, we can make and create for them. That's great for residential and, and commercial. Residential, right? commercial, you know, we've done, uh, we do a lot of tables and desks and furniture. That's kind of the mainstay, but, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, we uh, did most of the work at uh, Three Brothers Coffee, which is down on West End. Yeah. Uh, it's the new coffee shop that opened up next to Cumberland Transit. And we've done a lot of commercial work. So I took uh, the, the kind of confidence that I gathered while working with Blake Bergstrom and then uh, developed my own thing, Surface Outreach and Designs. And, and so what we do, it's an outreach program, first and foremost, for alcoholics and drug addicts. Mm -hmm. And it's funded by people that, that want to buy things from us. And so um, I give guys that are early in recovery and need help getting off their feet that are kind of in that Billy uh, scenario. And, uh, and I just tell them, you know, hey, come to work for me. Um, it's contract employment. You know, we don't have to do W-2s yet. We're not that big. So mm -hmm. it's all 1099 type of stuff. Okay. We're kind of able to, to skip around some of the red tape with different things um, in the way that they get compensated. And uh, it's really worked out great. You know, a lot of people ask me, like, you know, where do you advertise? How do we find out about your stuff? And we have Instagram and Facebook and different things. Hmm. But the main thing is, is, is once I uh, – man, I, I don't want to get too uh, – spiritual about all this. No, you can, but, absolutely, but, man. But when I decided to, to do something that's about helping other people and serving people and not making it about, you know, getting wealthy with a furniture company, you know, just, man, things float down out of the sky, you know, hmm. jobs and, and that personal, I'll do a good job for them and they love what they have and one of their friends will call and, and it's just been this word of mouth thing that's kept me very, very busy for, you know, the past two and a half years. And, and I think the reason that is, is because we're staying focused on, on helping people and working with people. And so that's kind of in a nutshell what we do. The outreach program is uh, the first and foremost thing, but the design company is, is kind of how we fund that. And so, um, you know, like you were saying, we build uh, residential commercial uh, furniture from, you know, reclaimed stuff with farm tables and, you know, different thing that's really hot right now and a lot of people want. But but we also do, you know, high end finished work and custom work that if people want to you know, a Queen Anne type dining room table, you know, we can do all that work for them as well. Well, that's cool. So you can do reproduction work as well if you needed to. Reproduction, refinishing. Yeah, we really, I kind of have a, a company motto is I don't say no. <laughs> if it's not something I know how to do, I'll find somebody that can help me do it. And that's the other great thing about what I want to talk about is my shop is down at the greatest place on earth, which is Fort Houston. It's down on Houston Street in Nashville behind Greer Stadium. And uh, Fort Houston is a makerspace. It's a cooperative work environment. And you've got about 30 or 40 guys in there that are all doing what I'm doing or some fashion of that. And, uh, and it's a community workspace. We have community tools. And um, that's kind of 
Um, I don't know if it's sponsored by Jet Tool Company, but that's what all our tools are. Listeners, if you're not familiar with the idea of makerspace, it doesn't necessarily have to do with woodworking. It can be woodworking. It can be a lot of things. There are also makerspaces that revolve around high tech. But in this situation over there, who else is in there? So most of the makerspaces, John, are geared towards tech. And they got a lot of digital stuff in there, audio equipment. Mm-hmm. recording equipment, you know, 3D printers, and, and that's kind of what they're geared for. That's the nationwide movement with makerspaces. Mm-hmm. But honestly, Fort Houston is the only one that I know that's more of a, a raw materials-based mm. uh, place where people create things. And so pretty much it's primarily uh, metal and ironwork and woodworking. Mm. And then we also have a motorcycle shop there where people rebuild motorcycles. we got a screen printer. Nice. Grand Palace screen printing is there, and they're amazing. Um and so it's just this really, really unique place that, that when I describe it to people, I tell them for guys like me, it's like Disneyland. It's just, it's an mm. unbelievable place to go into work every day. I read on uh, Facebook this morning, somebody posted something that said, I got a case of the Mondays and, and I can honestly say, I don't remember the last time I had a Monday, man. It's like, <laughs> I, I look forward to going to work. You know what? There are not a lot of people that can say that. And I still get the Sunday blues. It goes back to my childhood when you knew you had to do all this homework. And the next day was a school day, especially in the winter. You'd have to stand out there in the dark and the ice and you'd have to catch the bus. It's just a horror. The Sunday feeling to me still is a horrible feeling. I don't have that, man. I'm telling you, it's, it's, uh, it's the greatest thing in the world to get to do what I do. And I can't believe I get paid for it but to answer your question fort houston um a couple guys named josh another guy named ryan schimmel they started this thing called the brick factory about five years ago and this was over at cumming station okay and then uh i'm not sure what happened there but they moved over to houston station and and changed the name to fort houston okay and uh man these guys have been doing it i think fort houston's about three and a half years old i may be wrong about that okay uh but it's it's an amazing uh place and it's almost like a gym membership pay a monthly fee there's different schedules depending on how big of a work space you want you know okay. i have the biggest space it's a team table they call it so it's you know about my little workspace is about the size of a single car garage okay and uh on the other side of the shop is the the wood shop and the metal shop in different places mm-hmm. and uh and man i pay a monthly fee and, and i get to use that place like it's my own and man the collaborative effort that's there uh you know like i said if there's something that i don't know how to do or if i'm not proficient at there's 10 guys there that that are and they are uh, it's like a teaching environment, so we really work together and, and, and want to help each other out. And and honestly, it, it's uh, it's like the greatest place on earth right now, Fort Houston is. Uh, That's cool. You know, <laughs> I have a background in woodworking, and I loved uh, the wood shop when I was in middle school and also in high school. I love a good wood shop, what I wonder. And you know, Randall Grace used to live just yeah, down the street yeah, here, and I yeah. miss him he being the there. He the floors in my house. Yeah, so that's an example of East Nashville changing. It's like Randall Grace, woodworker, how cool is that? And now we got a chocolate factory. (laughs) It's kind of weird, man. But so as far as the equipment there in that wood shop, um, just as an example, who owns the equipment? Who calibrates it? Who takes care uh, of it? It's owned by Fort Houston, and and Jet kind of gives that to us to use. And I'm not sure the specifics there, but I know that that Jet Tool Company does all their uh, catalog photo shoots at our space. Oh, wow. And so usually when they come to do a new photo shoot, they bring a new piece of equipment and they leave it behind. That's pretty cool. And so it's maintained by us. 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, but we use uh, Southern Sharpening Service. They come in once a week, sharpen all mm-hmm. of our blades, and so everything is well maintained. And you know, the specifics of the ownership on it, I, I'm not really sure how that works. And honestly, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter to me. I just know it's there, and I can use it. Just and it's about running 24 hours a day. And know? it's running smoothly. It's pretty oh, yeah, slick. Man. Sounds it's, like it's an amazing place. And uh, you know, we've got a lot of people that work out of there, but I've never had to wait on using a piece of equipment. You know, it's not it's not like there's a line you know to get in ford houston's got a lot of members but really there's about a core 10 or 15 people that are there every single day and so okay. i mean it's just a really neat uh i don't know if symbiotic's the right word but and it's just we thrive off of one another and grow with one another you know and for example we just got a guy in its shop um and his name's brooks wolf and brooks like has a master's degree in furniture building he's like hmm. uh, he's like yoda when it comes to this stuff so man like the stuff that i glean from someone like that that i don't have to pay for man he's really improved how well i work and and how the way i do things may be more efficient hmm. and that's just a product of being in an environment with creative people you know wow. um it's really a special place, so so listeners, come on down to Fort Houston. I've heard that a lot about maker spaces around the country, that it's not just a place where you go and you make your own stuff, but you're actually learning from other people there right. because it's a different way of thinking about working together. It's almost like a small town in the old days. It's just such a great model. I love it. Well, man, it's funny you mentioned that. I was talking to one of the guys at the shop yesterday about how they grew up and you know, so-and-so's wife got sick and they couldn't harvest their farm, and so the whole town got together. Hmm brought a potluck dinner and they all ran the tractors and and helped the guy out and that's kind of the the environment that we have down at fort houston there's Mm. uh you know grand palace design is a screen printer there and i can print t-shirts if i want to and you know i got the best in the business helping me do that if i need help with it um you know you mentioned the chocolate shop down the street olive and sinclair um their signs were made by our sign maker there there's a guy named luke and another guy named Coonman that runs hmm. sideshow sign company okay and, you know they do some amazing things so if i've got a problem with that i run in there and talk to those guys and they help me out and so it's it's invaluable uh what that space is how it's changed how we work and so for what we do at surface outreach and designs i kind of have to have that set up so i can you know because i might have two or three different guys working with me at any given time okay you know when we we give them jobs uh for on-site stuff but then also you know i got one guy that's there about four days a week that helps me you know with whatever building project that we have going on so the team space at fort houston i think is the way to go okay so surface outreach and designs obviously someone out there listening is thinking man this guy's got guts to be working with these people who are maybe a crack addict or a meth addict and how can you trust them when do you know if they're really telling you the truth if they're in recovery or what's going on it seems like a a dangerous proposition to some people i'm sure yeah so how do you trust them you can't trust somebody until you trust them that's right and so man you know uh again i I don't want to get off on a spiritual tangent here but but you know i uh I spent a lot of time in, in prayer and meditation about that kind of stuff. And you know what? Um, I can spend all my time worrying about what could happen, mm-hmm. or I could just live life and do what I feel like I'm called to do mm. and, and let everything just work out. Nice. I'm going to be burned at some point, I'm sure. You know, but 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 that's okay. Here's the where the name of the company came from, Surface Outreach and Designs. About five years ago, man, I was in a bad, bad way. You know, I was that... that uh, crack addict meth addict drug addict whatever you want to call them you know i don't want to get into my own story too much but but you know it got pretty bad john and and a few guys that had enough patience and uh spent enough time 
digging into what I needed at the time and being patient with me. And really, man, you know, addicts are sitting in a pool, you know, and they're literally drowning. And mm. it's like somebody's got to reach beneath the surface and help pull them out. And, and you know, I'm just real grateful that there was people in my life that were willing to do that. Now, were those friends or family? Man, so so these were friends uh, and family in different uh, recovery programs. And then uh, um, I, I went to a little 30-day uh, spiritual retreat they call it at this place called discovery place in burns tennessee and you know they uh really took time on me you know they they listened to my crap yeah uh, they put up with me being <laughs> uh, uh stubborn and hard-headed and uh and you know they just were patient you know and and that's you know right now the way i live my life today is i've got you know a handful of of guys in my life that i trust and i care about so i listen to them and i and i do what they say because a lot of times i don't know what the right answer is and and so i feel like you know the reason i get up and breathe every single day is to do that for somebody else man i, I give it back to somebody else dig beneath the surface and help pull them out if i can and, and it's really man it's it's through uh you know this belief i have in something bigger than myself you know it's not me i'm not doing the work um the work's just being done through me you know you gotta have a, a reason to get out of bed in the morning and it can't be you and it can't be because you love somebody enough there's got to be something bigger than you that that makes huh. you tick and that's where i found happiness and peace in and so uh, man that's just kind of what i'm called to do right now is to is to do life with with people that, that need some help and and um, that's what we try to do with surface outreach and designs. <laughs> that's really cool. So yeah. tell the listeners, I know sure. people are interested in some personal stories about some of the people that you're working with yeah. right now or that you've helped. Man, so, you know, I mentioned that one gentleman, Billy, earlier, you know, and Billy's uh, got a place to stay now. You know, he's kind of uh, thriving on a lot of levels. And, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, it's I, I can't really get too much into each specific case. You know, there's a little bit of anonymity involved in all of it. But sure. but basically, there's about uh, seven or eight guys that I've worked with the past two years that have really uh, we've helped them turn their life around. And, you know, one gentleman in particular, he, he'd never driven a nail, you know, and so he comes to work for us for uh, I don't know, maybe four months, you know, and by the end of his four month stretch there, this guy is uh you know running all the equipment he's building furniture hmm. we taught him how to weld um you know when he left and went and got a job with the skills that he learned working with us and now he's he's like a union carpenter so wow. you know and so so that's kind of what you know and, and by no means do i think i have uh the i'm not the end-all be-all on uh carpentry i I'm, I'm i'm a hack that kind of learned how to put stuff together basically but but we do teach people and, and help them move on their way, you know? Man, that's fantastic. Does that answer your question? It really yeah. does, man. Yeah, and, and and to see the life change, man, and, you know, a lot of the guys that I work with, I mean, they're, they're dragging, man. They've been sober two or three days. They're shaking. They, they, they don't know what to do. They're scared to death. Their wife's going to leave them. All these different stories. And, and, you know, through the program of recovery that's been given to me, and I give that back to someone else, 30 days 60 days six months later you know you, you see these people that are that are healthy they're thriving hmm. you know they got their own place to stay i was talking to one guy the other day and he was like man i got my oil changed today and nice I was like, okay great you know <laughs> i did too we need to get our oil changed what's the big deal and he said man the last time that he spent money his own money on something that was like a maintenance thing like like just normal stuff that we do 
he, he didn't remember the last time that he'd done that. Hmm. And he was so proud of the fact that he didn't go and buy drugs with the money or didn't do something he shouldn't have. He, he used it to better himself, keep his car running. Another guy went to the dentist for the first time in like forever. And he was like, man, I paid cash for it. I don't have insurance. And, uh, you know, to see the look on his face that he didn't spend that money on drugs or that he had money to spend. He's got a bank account now. You know, that's the reason that I get up in the morning. That's what kind of gets me out of bed, man, is to meet someone new like that, you know, and, and move through the process. That's you really know, cool, man. I, I tell my customers and clients, you know, we share the story about what we do, but people can invest their money anywhere they want to. Um, and, you know, and I'm not here. It's, again, it, this is like a program of attraction rather than promotion kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but when you, when you buy a table through us, it's going to provide a job for someone that really needs it, you know, and then, and then the table's made with love, man. You know, we'll sit there and, you know, I had to sand an 84 inch round table. It's a giant round table that we made for a drug and alcohol treatment center. And just the whole time we're moving around sanding it, man, you know, people are meditating on the table. They're Mm -hmm. praying on the table and Mm -hmm. for the table, man, I think wood is a living, breathing thing, man. And it captures our energy and you know it's going into a facility where people are going to be doing some serious work some trauma work they're going to be digging into their past and and uh kind of digging into stuff that that they need to heal and get better and and so why not spend that time at the table they're going to be doing that workout and give it some love this portion of east nashville now is brought to you by our good friends at moonshinebootwax.com made by hand in small batches right here in east nashville tennessee moonshine cowboy boot wax is the original all-natural non-toxic boot wax with a scent of orange the nashville wax company is proud to partner with community food advocates a non-profit organization working to end hunger by creating a healthy just and sustainable food system. Together with community food advocates, Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax is making a positive difference in the Nashville community one shine at a time. Pick up a tin today at moonshinebootwax.com. Another thing that we're involved with right now that's really neat is is there's a company called Journey Pure that is uh, opening up a new treatment center in Murfreesboro, and it's a big 68-bed facility, and we are um, part of uh, building a lot of the furniture for them. And, and so a lot of the work that we do, you know, goes into treatment centers, and that's just a neat thing, you know. It, we're kind of keeping it all together, so to speak, in the recovery community in a way, trying to anyway. That's cool. Now, most of these recovery programs, are they abstinence-based recovery you know, listeners, mm, there's a difference. They, there are abstinence-based recoveries, and then there are like the methadone clinics, which do not necessarily practice or preach abstinence. They'll have people who are on heroin, for instance, move over to methadone. And a lot of people criticize this. A lot of people have been helped from that, but a lot of people continue to do the methadone and the heroin and get whatever they can. And what I've read and what I've studied, I believe that an abstinence program is absolutely the best, but that's just my personal opinion. Well, man, that gets into a whole nother topic that Mm -hmm. we have to talk about, but you know, I'll, I'll address it for me. I can only share my own experience with stuff and and uh and john i uh i live every day to have a a spiritual connection with you know this this god i call him god something bigger than myself Mm -hmm. and if i'm putting anything in my body man i I can't uh i can't have that connection like i need to Mm -hmm. recovery to me is living this life where you grow spiritually and Mm -hmm. i can't do that putting something in my body so most of the treatment centers that i work with whether it's cumberland heights or discovery place or 
um, these new facilities that are opening up, they are abstinence-based programs. Now, they may use some of these newer uh, medicines that are available to help opiate addicts, you know, detox. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some great medicines that are out there for that, and I don't want to act like a doctor and act like I know what I'm talking about there, but they can lighten the load in the transition space, and that lets people be more involved in the recovery that's going on, you know, go to their groups and meetings and you know, and not be shaking and sweating and sick and and Mm -hmm. stuff. And so there's a place for that stuff, I think, in recovery. Now, long-term recovery, man, I think uh, the only way to do it has to be abstinence-based for me anyway. But, but, you know, I don't want to sit here and act like I've got a monopoly on getting sober. I don't, man. There's a lot of different ways to get a lot of different paths. However you can get it, get it. I just know that if you were in my position several years ago, you know, it's a prison. There's no life, hmm. you know, using and drinking. I was reading an article not that long ago. It was about a new drug that one of these pharmaceutical companies put out. And I'm pretty public about not being a fan of pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. First of all, I would say. I tell yes, you, I was a drug rep for 12 years. I, you did not. But, you know, first of all, I'll say that we know that pharmaceuticals do help people, period. Having mm-hmm. said that, uh, there are lots of things going on in this country that are scary, like young people being convinced that they have this or that condition that's not medically provable, but it's called this or it's called that, and they try to convince the parents through the doctors to get these kids on drugs. Well, I was reading an article about, and I don't remember the name of this drug, but a lot of men, this article is about men, middle-aged men, are on this, and they're on this for pain. There are men that are coming back from foreign wars, foreign aggressions, I might add, or they are people who are in the trades who have hurt themselves by lifting too much weight over the years. They fell off a scaffolding, whatever. There are a lot of people like that. There are a lot of men who are in a lot of pain. So they're taking these drugs, but they're finding that, well, the article is about how highly addictive these drugs are Hmm. and how once they've been on these drugs for a while, and then if it becomes difficult for them to get these drugs, what they do is they end up being on heroin. Then they end up being in a meth clinic or whatever, but, and then they end up dying or they end up committing suicide so one story i have about a friend of mine named jerry and i've brought this up on the show before is extremely talented woodworker also very talented in being able to kind of fix anything he can fix cars he can fix hvac he knows some plumbing he knows some electrical this guy knows a lot he had a really tough background his father was an alcoholic used to plug an extension cord into the wall and have the two bare ends and chase he and his brothers around (laughs) the house shocking them right and he'd make his sons fight each other until they were bloody So this guy has a lot of pain. He hurt his back working in the trades, right? He has alcohol problems just like his father had, very common, but he decided at one point he's going to get off the alcohol. So he goes to a doctor, doc, help me get off the alcohol. I can help you, says the doctor. The doctor gets him on this drug that's very addictive, costs him $350 a month. So basically, he goes from his alcohol addiction to the drug addiction, and then he went through a period of time where he was doing the drugs and the alcohol together. So there's so many things that are going on with these pharmaceutical companies and their reps pushing this stuff to doctors, pushing this stuff on television. We all see it. And frankly, it really makes me sick, and it's also really distressing to see a country that really doesn't stand up and say no. We know pharmaceuticals can help people and save lives, but we also know that these companies will push drugs in the name of profit with sometimes little or no regard for human life. And that scares me, man. Yeah, it's a scary proposition what's going on with it. Um, And I can relate to everything that you're saying. You know, like I said, I was in the pharmaceutical industry for 12 years. uh, And so I've seen both sides of it, Um, you know, it's just a, a seven-headed monster addiction, um, and you've got yeah. 
you know, people come in with legitimate pain, you know, but they don't need to be on, on the, the dosages they're on or the length of time that they're on. They need to be mm. doing other things like physical therapy or, or doing some other treatments to help them relieve the, the source of their pain instead yeah. of just treating the uncomfortableness of it. Yes. And so, man, I don't care who you are, man, uh, because it, addiction deals in the salient portion of the brain, it's called, and that's the reward center of the brain. If you take any the, addiction, I'll, I'll back up and say it has a genetic predisposition. There's a genetic component to it yes but if you give someone if you expose them to drugs and alcohol long enough they will become addicted it's yeah. just it, it's what happens rats do the same that's thing. right rats do the same thing you know and so um and so you got these people that maybe don't need to be on opiates as long as they're on them mm -hmm. you know and i know that oxycontin was one that came out that they got a really bad rap for it mm -hmm. and uh and they do get addicted they're physically dependent on the drug if they stop taking that drug they will get sick and, yeah. and you know and i know lots of guys myself included back in the day i wasn't really getting high anymore so to speak it was just i was trying to avoid being sick i mm. didn't want i was avoiding the detox you mm. know and so really you know at the it, towards the end of my drinking and using career it was just trying to maintain a sense of normal mm -hmm. you know it, was, it wasn't fun anymore i wasn't enjoying it there was no high it was just me trying to avoid feeling pain and, and physically being ill mm. so what's happening now is you got people that are being over prescribed opiates this is just my opinion they're over prescribed opiates and and that falls on the shoulders of some of the doctors mm -hmm. and then you got people that uh have legitimate pain that needed and get hooked on it i've got a friend of mine right now that's got like four rods through their spine hmm. you know but but basically they're a drug addict right now because they have to take that medicine and if they don't they're going to get violently ill hmm. and it's going to be bad news hmm. so what do you do with those people you know i think medicine has its proper place you mm -hmm. know I think that you know the the big epidemic is people getting on heroin now because they're they're they start out on prescription medicines. Yeah. They take too many of them or they take them for a long period of time even if they take them as directed. If you take pain medicine as directed for a long enough period of time, you're going to be physically dependent on it. And yeah. when you stop taking it, you'll get sick. Those folks are turning to other street drugs, yeah. heroin mainly, because yeah. uh, it's very cheap and it's very accessible, and they're they're getting hooked on that, and and they're dying, man. People are dropping like flies, John. I've I've lost, uh, I've probably been to seven funerals in the past three years. Um, you know, September hmm. of this year marked the year anniversary where I lost three people very very close to me to addiction, man. overdose. One was a suicide, but the main reason was the the addiction was the source of that pain. And uh, and man, so it's a problem, you know. And hopefully we can help impact some people, even if it's just one person. You know, I used to think I had to get very wealthy in order to give back to the community. I had to. Um, arrive so to speak in some industry in order to be in a position to help and serve others and and what this program of living one day at a time in recovery has taught me is that man service work is is doing anything this is a funny story i'll, I'll tell you real quick all right there was a guy that uh back i was about probably a year sober and i was doing great and i wanted to go to the next level spiritually speaking you know and i sat down with this guy and i said i said steve man tell me you know this is where i'm at what's the next step you know what i need to do you know this guy's like yoda to me right hmm. and he tells me he said all right you ready and i was like yeah i'm ready and, and he sat me down and he said all right here's what i want you to do and i'm thinking he's going to tell me to go meditate or go you know on some kind of retreat i don't know what he's going to tell me <laughs> he says what i want you to do is when you go to the bathroom out in public i'm like okay he said when you walk in that bathroom man and you, and you use the bathroom and you get done you wash your hands i was like yeah 
you dry your hands off. I said, okay. And he said, <laughs> then I want you to pull a paper towel down for the person that comes in behind you. <laughs> and it just hit me in that moment that like, you know, he had, he had Miyagi'd me into, uh, <laughs> into this spiritual way of life, man, that, yeah. that in, in this moment right now that we have, that we're sharing right now, you and I can be very spiritual beings and, and, and be of service to each other. And it doesn't have to be a big check that you write. It doesn't have to be going to a big fundraiser or some big thing. Those things are great. But I do it on a daily basis by picking up trash that I see on the ground that yep. I pull a paper towel down for the person that comes in behind me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I take the this is uh, somebody in East Nashville is going to bust me on this, but <laughs> I take the buggy all the way back into Kroger every single time. Nice. You as know? you should. Yeah. Like, I well, don't I, I shouldn't don't, say as you should. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't leave it in the parking lot. And to me, that's just one thing that I could do for someone else. And, yep. and what that does, John, is it, it I mean, I think humans in general, but especially people that struggle with addiction we are selfish and self-centered people and those little things help me think about people that are not me and Absolutely. it helps me to do things for other people and so you kind of couple all that stuff into uh what we're doing on a daily basis with making furniture trying to to be of service to others that's kind of what it, it ends up being at the end of the day that's neat you know if you look in the back of my truck there's a plastic crate back there i'm sure if anybody walks by my truck and they look at it like man this guy smokes cigarettes he drinks coca-cola he eats all <laughs> kinds of you know hostess twinkies and whatnot it's like no man i'm just picking that stuff up <laughs> off the street and that's where i put it and once it's full I'll take it and I'll dump it in my trash. But you're absolutely right about those little teeny things. You know, yeah, I've thought years ago, man, I can't really make a big difference until I'm, you know, if I could be the principal of a high school or if I could be a famous musician, then I could have the money to help thousands and thousands of people. But man, in our lives, shoot, if we help one or two people or a dozen people in our lives, those are human lives that we're helping. It's really important. But I love the idea of the wash your hands and the paper <laughs> towel and get one for somebody else because, man, it is it is about that. It's about holding the door for people. It's yeah. about making people smile and asking how their day is. And it just makes a huge difference, man. I agree with you. Yeah, it's just doing service work for people. And, again, the, the ultimately it's a selfish interest that I do those things because it, it, it helps me get out of my own head, which yeah. is kind of weird. I just threw out a big, uh, I don't know catch 22 or whatever you I call that. I don't think that. so, man, because no, I don't it's, think so. It's a mother, selfish reason I do yeah. those things because it makes me less selfish. I don't know if that makes sense. It does, not, man. You know? Well, Mother Teresa came out and said one time, she said, a lot of what I do, I do because it makes me feel so good. That's right. It feeds yeah. me. So yeah, yeah man. You know, in, in life, I don't want to paint a picture for all the listeners out there. Life's not uh, uh, great all the time. You know, it's not a piece of cake it's not like i've found the solution and you know it's a daily thing man. it's a daily grind one day at a time and and uh and that's kind of the way we live it and uh and i'm just really fortunate john that i get to live it with people who are like-minded and and uh you know trying to, to help them out a little bit you know i love it man uh, i yeah. love your business model i love everything about it i think this is a business model for the future you know if you have a small business out there you don't necessarily have to be working with people who are in recovery you could be working with children you could be working with elderly it doesn't matter it's really about helping people right yeah man it's about helping people and, and i just want to reiterate we can give back to each other and really impact this east nashville community by doing things like that you know mm. one paper towel at a time mm. and, and before man like you know i'm sitting here looking at all your podcast equipment i'm thinking you know in my mind years ago i would have said man i'll do a podcast one day when i can have a million listeners right and that's just totally wrong you know do a podcast today because you love it 
Yep. And and out of that there'll be this growth that you can't even imagine. You know, that's kind of the way that I that I, I, I do things. I make it about other people and helping people and the work keeps coming in. You know, we keep mm-hmm. getting, you know, bigger and better jobs and, and uh and I think it's a direct result that if I set out to have a furniture company, I'd run it in the ground, man. We'd be bankrupt. But because I set out to be of service to other people, you know, funded through the furniture side of the business, uh, you know, my little company's thriving, I guess you could say, you know, on a very small level. Um, the business model is kind of interesting because it's, it's uh, you know, I stole a bunch of ideas from uh, Magdalen House and Thistle Farms. You know, mm-hmm. they kind of do a similar thing. And, you know, we're not even close to being on any scale like that you know this is still a very small time mom and pop type thing but mm-hmm. but that's kind of what we do you know by the money that's taken in and, and the other part of it that i that i didn't uh, haven't shared yet is is we don't always do this but the goal and what we try to do is we set aside 10 percent off the top to help scholarship people to go to rehab that can't afford it you know because that's another that's big problem we got this huge epidemic going on with addiction it's a big issue it's destroying families it's killing people yeah and people need treatment and you know i think that, that that we should lower the penalties on drug arrests and people shouldn't go to jail i think they should be provided treatment that's the yeah. way it should be handled because it is a disease and uh and and they can't afford that a lot of times. So we set aside a portion of the money to help scholarship people you know, and, and go That's to treatment. Great. And we're heavily involved in a lot of different halfway houses in town. And, and uh, That's fantastic. Um, and, yeah, it's really a, a neat thing, man. So if anybody's listening out there that, that has a problem or thinks they have a problem, man, give me a call. <laughs> I'd be happy to help you out best I can. Nice, man. I'm sure that people will be calling yeah. you. You know, the war on drugs is a travesty in this country. And uh, the war on drugs is largely why we have so many serious drug problems and why Mm. we have so many problems with our prisons being overcrowded in a ridiculous way and the subsidies and the private prisons. I could go on and on forever about that. But everything you said is really important. Um, I love your business model. I think that, you know, we don't really know, like you mentioned the podcast, how many people are listening. We don't know. Maybe only 10 people will hear this episode. Over time, many people will hear it because it basically lives on SoundCloud in perpetuity, I have that in quotation marks, but you know, even if one person hears this and they makes a lot of sense to me, man, move themselves toward you or they give you a call or they contact you by way of email, or it just inspires them to do something like that with their company. Maybe they just decide, I'm going to give 10% of everything we make to fill in the blank, some good local organization. That's huge. It's not all about, again, it's not all about the big numbers. It's about doing what comes from your heart and if that touches one other life that's huge man man it's amazing doing what comes from your heart i love how you put that john because uh i've honestly i don't feel like i've worked a day in the past three years wow man like like i really don't like last night you know you said you had a case of the sunday wait what is today is today monday it's monday okay sunday i get that confused you know because i don't really have a work week it's just um but I'm sitting there, and last night I, I'm I'm excited about what I'm doing today. I can't wait to get in there. I can't wait to get to the shop, and Man. and uh, it's it's just this miracle thing that that making it about something bigger than yourself. Yeah, uh, you get to do what you love. You know, I I want to implore people to. Uh, to do what they love to do. You know, and I don't know, man. I was in corporate America for a long time, and. Uh, you know, it just wasn't for me, and, and I was never happy, hmm. and. Uh, you know, I got a roof over my head. Our bills are paid. Uh, you know, life is pretty good today, and I'm doing what I love to do. You know, if I hit the lottery tomorrow, man, I would volunteer at treatment centers, 
and I would build furniture. And so that's essentially what I do for a living. And so it it literally doesn't feel like I've been to work uh, in in years. And and I hope it continues that way. You know, it's just it's a great time to be human, I think. I think so, too. It really is, especially in East Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. We're isolated and insulated here a little bit. There are parts of the country, not that far from here at all, parts of the state where uh, people are living in what they describe as worse than what they went through during the Great Depression. Hmm. That's actually happening in this country right now. We're very fortunate here in East Nashville right now. I don't know if it's going to hold or not in terms of the economy, but yeah, right now we are very fortunate here. I hope that people who are doing really well financially, I hope they're giving back a little bit. Yeah, I really, really do. You're doing that, and I think that's fantastic. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I, I really hope you're right about that, too, because there's, uh, you know, the, the great thing about small nonprofits, small uh, operations like what we're trying to do is, you know, I could donate money to a big, big charity, and it'll go for a good thing, and those things are great. I'm not belittling that whatsoever. But the impact that a donation on a small thing, local, in your community has is... Uh, is extremely significant, man. There was a place in Africa, it's called Suba Environmental Education of Kenya, and we've done some work down there with those people and um, and helped them out a little bit, but um, we got them a computer several hmm. years ago. Uh, it was donated, and we just gave it to them, and, and man, they were like dying for a computer. And to see the look on their faces and the impact that they were going to have on people, like on a small level, to me is is worth giving to smaller organizations instead of you know just throwing it into you know accounts receivable at at a big giant nonprofit like i said those I people agree. do great work but but i love seeing the local impact on our community and being able to help you know someone up the street man you know i mean imagine if yep. everybody in east nashville picked up some trash yeah. or if everybody in east nashville did one thing for their neighbor yeah like we could really have a huge impact on on our community i man, agree i love this place man i i I want to, like you said earlier, you want to die in this house. I want to die in this zip code, you know? Not yet, though. Not yet. That's right, man. Not <laughs> a long yet, time man. from now. Yeah. Yeah, so so it's neat, man. I, I'm real grateful to be doing what I'm doing. Uh, I really appreciate the chance to come on your podcast and share a little bit about it. Well, I appreciate you being here. And if you would, tell our listeners the best way that they can get in touch with you. Sure, man. So we're on Facebook and Instagram. It's actually under my name, Wit. W-H-I-T, Gilbert, G-I-L-B-E-R-T, and that's the Instagram. Uh, I have a Facebook page, Surface Outreach and Designs. It's like the surface of a counter, uh, you know, Surface Outreach uh, mm-hmm. and Designs. And, and we got uh, a Facebook page, you know, and you can go in there and see our work and different photos and different things. But, you know, uh, the email address to use is surfaceoutreach at iCloud.com. Okay. And, um, you know, I'd love to hear from people, even if it's not about building furniture or anything else, man, just start a dialogue and a conversation and get to know people in the community. And uh, like I said, it's a good time to be human right now. There's a lot of bad yep. stuff going on out there. Baby. There is. And uh, in our little world that I live in, man, it's, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of happy going on right now. And so so it's great. Yeah, man, we got to stick by what we know and we've got to stick by our communities and make some progress, do some good in our own communities in our own neighborhoods. I think that's where it starts because yeah, a lot of the big world problems, man, we know we can't do anything about it. And that, right. it can be pretty frustrating, but um, what you're doing is a, I think a prime example of how you can do it on a small scale. Um, do big things, great things on a small scale. Listeners, you've been listening to Mr. Whit Gilbert, who is the director and owner of a local business called Surface Outreach and Designs. You can find him at Surface Outreach and Designs on Facebook and you can email him at Surface outreach at icloud 
com. All right, listeners, you've heard it straight from the source here. Wit, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, John. I really appreciate being here, and uh, I'll come back any other time you want me to. Sounds great, Wit. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. I'd like to thank my guest on today's show, Wit Gilbert founder and director of Surface Outreach and Designs. Witt is giving back and making a difference in his world by helping people in recovery move forward with their lives as they learn valuable woodworking skills and other life skills. Witt, you are one in a million, brother, so keep on keeping on and doing the great work that you're doing. It was great meeting you, man. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax, the original all-natural, non-toxic boot wax with a scent of orange. The Nashville Wax Company is now offering Moonshine Biker Boot Wax. Yes, the same high-quality boot wax now available in black. To order a tin of your very own, just go to moonshinebootwax.com. Buy it there online or check out the growing list of local retailers in and around Nashville who carry these fine boot wax products. Signing off now from East Nashville, Tennessee, I'm your host, John Barrett, here each week with my trusty dog, Maxwell, by my side. Say goodbye, Maxwell. (laughs) Y'all be good to each other out there, and remember to do something nice for one of your neighbors. It will make you feel good inside. I promise.